Good evening. Welcome to Nighttime. I'm Dave Wager, your host here in the studios at Silver Birch Ranch on the campus of the Nicolet Bible Institute. Nighttime is a half hour where we talk calmly about issues that might be divisive, they might not be. Issues that sometimes get argued about, but I really don't want to argue. I just want to have a discussion about things. In fact, I want you to have a discussion about the things we talk about with God, not even with me. I'm Dave. I'm as human as anybody else, and as I think these things through, I have thoughts. Whether my thoughts be accurate or not is another question. But God's thoughts are always right. I I don't even know if we can call them God's thoughts. Whatever God thinks is right. So I encourage you as I talk and hopefully spur some thought on that you go to God and talk to him about what you're thinking. I know the common operation these days is to go to some kind of website or social media platform or something else to make sure your views are heard and understood. I actually don't want to get into that. It is my heart's desire that you talk to God and open your Bible. And hopefully these nighttime broadcasts are something that allow you to do that. Where we get away from thinking what Dave thinks or this person or that person. Not that we don't talk about what we think because that's all we can do. But then we take it personally to God and his word and take a look at it. I'm coming to you here from the studios at Silver Birch Ranch on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute. And I do invite you to check out the silverbirchranch.org website. Pray for us often. Join us. Help us out financially. Help us out by volunteering, whatever you can do. I love developing a team of people who just want to get the word out, who want to represent the Lord Jesus Christ in this world in which we live. And Silver Birch Ranch does that through the camping ministries, through the ministry of Nicolay Bible Institute, through the ministry of Northwoods Retreat, through the ministry of Foster Family Connect. And I invite you to go check those ministries out and see what we're about. And more importantly, pray for us that we might have the wisdom that God wants us to have, that we might have the young people here that we can minister to, that we can teach and train and give an example to. What a wonderful time in history it is to show who God is by how we live. When the rest of the world seems to be falling apart, God is not. We need to keep referring people to him so that they can have a relationship with him. One of the things that is a real hot button in all of our culture is the racial issues that seem to be out there. It's interesting coming from Chicago and understanding that There are many different people from many different places that get together. I personally haven't experienced a lot of hatred between races. Being an athlete, a football player, a swimmer, a hockey player, you play with all kinds of people. You don't see them as to their color. You don't see them as to what country they came from. You really see them as another athlete that is striving for the same things you are. I'm thankful for those athletic days that allowed us to just blend together as a group. When I read uh, the verse in Galatians 3, starting with verse 
27, it says, For many of you, as we're baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. Verse 28, There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There is no male or female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. When I look at that, I think, you know, somehow we have gotten to the point where we want to look at everybody's differences and magnify them, when we should be looking at the things we have in common. Those of us who know God, we have a Heavenly Father in common. We get to rejoice in the fact that we're brothers and sisters in Christ. That God loves us, that he created us, that while we were in our mother's womb that he made us. We get to rejoice together. We don't need to focus on the things that are different. And whether it be skin color or just country that we're from. You know, I'm a Scandinavian background and I'm rather boring in a lot of areas because I think that Scandinavians like it that way. I'm rather calm. I I like my food bland and white. I don't like real spicy things. That doesn't make me weird or different. It makes me who I am. There are other people that are like me. There are other people that are not like me. I enjoy getting together with those who like spicy food. I enjoy getting together with those who have different cultures and see things differently. There are so many things that are not a part of what the Bible says. The Bible doesn't really tell us whether you should eat spicy food or not, and how you should wear your hair, and and what necessarily color clothes you should be wearing, or different things that sometimes are very much affected by cultural norms. The truth is, if we focused on what we had in common, we'd be much better off. I think often Satan would love for us to just get focused on the things that we disagree on and that there's no way to agree on possibly. When we do that, we open the door for trouble. I have a friend who wrote a letter a while ago, and I might have mentioned this before, but I think I'd like to read it again to you. And his name is Tim, and he is a a doctor, but he is also in the legislative body of Rockford, the city of Rockford in Illinois. And he is often accused of things because he's a politician and says things, whether they be valid accusations or not. I don't know. But I do know that if you're a politician in the United States of America, you have a tremendous amount of dirt thrown at you and praise thrown at you. And some of it is valid, I guess, and some of it isn't. Here's what he wrote. He said, recently, some of my colleagues on the Rockford City Council have intimated that I am a racist, mostly because I have opposite viewpoint. This is an op-ed I wrote that was published in the Rockford Register Star in 2020, which is a newspaper. I'm going to read his op-ed to you. Religion, Politics, and Race, or Suicide by Op-ed. The easiest way to ignite a Donnybrook is to start any discussion on the topic of religion, politics, or race. One involving all three is suicide. I will dip my toe into this cauldron. There is no dispute that racism exists. Virtuous people strive to eliminate it. Calling racism systemic is incorrect. 
Systemic means everyone, everywhere, and ironically, must include those who claim racism is systemic. Thus, the term makes no sense. Systems are not racist. Individuals are. The question that we face is the means to effectively eliminate it. Root cause analysis points to the individual. It is an individual's choice to be racist or otherwise denigrate any individual. Because racism arises from an individual's core, it is their soul that must be redeemed. To that end, it is time to revisit religion's importance in the underguarding of our society. No longer can religion be limited to private practice. We must return it as foundational to our common good. Our Constitution was made for a moral and religious people. It was wholly inadequate to the government of any other. John Adams When I refer to religion, I will refer to Christianity because it is what I know and what I know to be true. Jesus was quite clear on how others were to be treated. He deliberately associated with the downtrodden who were rejected by the cultural elite. He commanded that we love our neighbors as ourselves. When queried to define neighbor, his reply was the parable of the Good Samaritan. Part of the message that is lost in that Jews of the time had an ethnic and racial hatred towards the Samaritans, their neighbors. Any reading and application of the words of Jesus redeems a soul, and then, one by one, heals a culture. Racism is not wrong because it's illegal. It's wrong because it's immoral. Christianity, as practiced by Jesus, is a unifying social force. When Jesus' message is twisted by opportunists, it ceases to be Christianity. Christianity is despised by some because it calls for personal responsibility, accountability, and meaningful self-examination measured against a holy standard. It compels us to serve others sacrificially. It makes individuals, the media, the government, very uncomfortable. It makes me uncomfortable as I confront my misdeeds. Christianity is a hospital for the ills of culture, including racism and mistreatment of others. When Christianity is practiced within a solid family structure, this symbiotic association is a powerful, foundational change agent. Theological equality directly translates to social equality. To end racism, Redeemed souls of persons must change, one by one. How many listening sessions, conversations, commissions, blue-ribbon panels, expert studies, or laws have been put into place with the promise that we will really listen this time? Government cannot do it. If it could, it already would have. History tells us that government's promises are fleeting. Government controls... It does not cure. Its short-term solutions depend upon whatever voters is pandering at the time, limited by the next election cycle. Government cannot ease racism because it cannot change the heart and soul of a person. It cannot do the work that only God and a quality family can do. Clinging to government is hopeless, with Christianity's hope is eternal. We are a nation of laws and order, but they must be based on virtue and ethic. 
for virtue and ethic to be sustainable, they must be based upon objective, absolute truth. Government has made a concerted effort in eliminating religion from schools, public discourse, and most recently labeled it as non-essential. The humanism upon which some of our culture now rests upon is only as good as the humans in charge. It is inconsistent, unreliable, and not universally applicable. The moral relativism that evolves from it cannot sustain a culture, and it has negative consequences. Aristotle, Plato, Burke, Locke, our founders, among others, believe that a free society cannot exist without the foundational influence of religion. It is time to return things foundational. I sought for the greatness and genius of America in her commodious harbors and her ample rivers, and it was not there, in her rich mines and in her vast world commerce, and it was not there, in her democratic congress and her matchless constitution, and it was not there. Not until I went into the churches of America and her pulpits aflame with righteousness did I understand the secret of her genius and power. America is great because she is good. And if America ever ceases to be good, she will cease to be great. De Tocqueville. You know, my friend wrote that several years ago. Still being accused of being a racist when he's trying to really get to the heart of the problem. In the beginning, God created. And he created man and he created woman. Look at all the confusion there is about that today, and it's really something very simple. Satan loves to put us at a point where we're confused. For example, in the male and female issue, what he wants to do is make it male against female or female against male. Instead of celebrating the differences, we get angry and want to be superior. Instead of men thinking about women in terms of being a sister, somebody they can love, somebody they can care for. They can marry a woman and they can have children together. See, a woman is made to bear children, men are not. We need to celebrate that difference. Women are made differently than men and they should celebrate the difference. Difference isn't superior, different is different. When God talks to us about understanding how he made us in the New Testament, he talks to us about us being a body. My knee is different than my elbow, and my elbow is different than my ear. If you were to ask me which one was superior, I would look at you with a puzzled look, because superior wouldn't be the word to use for any of it. I want my knee to be successful. I want my ear to be successful. I want my elbow to be successful. I want my toes to be successful. And when any part of my body is no longer successful, it affects everything. I really don't want my knee to be my ear. I want it to be a knee, and I want it to be a great knee. The great diversity that's all over the earth is wonderful. God has created mankind and made us all different people in different areas with different customs, different skin tones, different habits. But he made us in a way that he could love us all. And the commonality that we can have as we put our trust in Jesus Christ as our Savior makes us brothers and sisters 
instead of focusing on what doesn't work, we can focus on what does work. We can focus on what it is to be in the family of God together. It's not always looking at somebody and trying to figure out what the differences are and how we've been hurt in the past. The Apostle Paul tells us that he forgot his past and and pressed on to what's ahead. None of us can do anything about what happened yesterday, but we can do everything about what comes tomorrow as we make the right decisions today. It's gotten so easy in our world to say that we hate people we disagree with. That's not the right term. We can disagree with people. We can be different than other people and and not superior or not inferior. There are a lot of things that we're all trying to figure out, so we don't know necessarily the right answer to many things. But in our daily habits, in our cultures, in our looks, there's not a superior or an inferior. There's only people. And all of us as people are loved and redeemed by God if we put our trust in Jesus Christ. Jesus came so that while I was still a sinner and while you are still a sinner, wherever you are in the world listening to this, he came so that you and I could be in his family. He loves us all. Therefore, we love all people. Lately, when I say something like, well, it that your, your skin tone or your, your ethnicity from your country, it, it's not that relevant to me at this point. Because you're a brother or sister in Christ, we're, we're the same in that sense. It's almost as if I said something evil. And yet I see God saying that through the Bible. It's, it, it, let's take a look at that passage that I read earlier again. In Galatians 3, verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So if I'm looking at people thinking, well, there's a huge difference because you're male or female to God, there isn't. There's one issue that I have before God, and there's one issue you have before God. What have you done with the sin in your life? Have you come to the point where you realize that that sin has separated you from God and placed your trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior? See, I need to do that, and you need to do that, and I don't even know what race you are that I'm talking to. I don't know what country you're listening from. All I know is that your problem is the same as my problem. It's sin that has separated us from God. And no matter what language you speak, and no matter what color your skin, or no matter what country you're from, it's the same. Those who have a lot of money, you're the same. Those who are living in poverty, it's the same. See, in God's sight, it's not money that makes somebody great. It's not a country that makes them great. It's, it's not that he puts people on different planes. It's that those who obey God show that they love God, and he takes care of them in that sense. And anybody can do that anywhere. Verse 28 again, there is neither Jew nor Greek neither slave nor free. There is no male and no female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are in Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, according to his promise. Chapter 4 goes on to say, I mean that the heir, as long as he's a child, is no different from a slave, though he is the owner of everything. 
but he is under guardians and managers until the date set by his father. In the same way, we also, when we were children, were enslaved to the elementary principles of this world. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father, so you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Do you realize that you and I, as believers, if you are one, if I'm talking to one who has put their trust in Jesus Christ and is in God's family, do you realize that we are co-heirs with Christ? That's what we're told in the Bible. In Romans chapter 8, verse 12 to 17, it says, So then, brothers, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. I want to pause there for a second because it says, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. All. doesn't matter what country you're from. doesn't matter what your skin color is. Doesn't matter. We're all equal. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ. Let me read that again. Verse 17, Romans 8. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, in order that we may also be glorified with him. Look, that doesn't mean that life on this earth is going to be simple and easy. Satan hates those who God loves, and those who respond to God, Satan hates even more. Look what happened to Job. He lived absolutely the life he should. And, and God used him as an example, yet Satan detested Job, didn't even want to look at him, didn't even want to acknowledge the fact that Job lived. God had to point him out to Satan. And even then, Satan was claiming that he only loves you because you give him stuff. And God says, no, that's not true. Job actually understands what love is. You can take all this stuff away, he'll still love me. Satan took him on. You can even take his health away, he'll still love me. And Satan did that. You see, when you understand God's love, it is the most powerful resource in the world. You understand it and you respond to it. You become one who is invincible because it is God that you have aligned with. One of the great pictures that I enjoy throughout the scriptures is the idea of proximity with God. And once again, you know, my wife and I were able to write a book called My Shepherd for Kids on Psalm 23. The point I keep making over and over again is that those who are secure in this life are those who choose to be in a certain proximity with God, with their shepherd. 
All I have to do as a sheep is stay by my shepherd. If I stay by my shepherd, I have no fears ever. Notice it doesn't matter what country I'm from. It doesn't matter what color sheep I am. It doesn't matter whether I am a tall sheep or a short sheep or whatever it might be. I choose my proximity. God doesn't run away from me. The shepherd doesn't run away. I choose whether I want to be close to the shepherd or not. And if I want to be close to the shepherd, then there is no danger out in this world that can harm me without his permission. And if he does give permission, there's a great plan there, and we can go through that, and he will not abandon me. He will allow me to go through it. He will help me to go through it. I will never be alone, never, because of my proximity with him. Not because of my skill, not because of my ability, but because of my proximity. And as you listen tonight, no matter what country you're in, no matter what color your skin, no matter what family you're a part of, you can choose to be close to God. John 3.16 tells us that God so loved the world, he loved the world, everybody in the world, for God so loved the world. We're not talking about a planet there, we're talking about the people. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That's a pretty broad statement, whoever. Whoever believes. Swedish people, Norwegian people, Russian people, Chinese people, African people, Asian people, whoever it is, whoever understands the fact that they've been separated from God because of their sin, and comes and places their trust in Jesus Christ as the payment for their sin? Whoever. See, God is not a racist. He created all the races. He put us where we were born. He created us while we were in our mother's womb. And sometimes we come to him and act like there's no plan there. There is a great plan there. Those of us that know Jesus Christ as our Savior, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. We can celebrate the differences as long as the differences are not something that is specifically outlined in Scripture. If you say, I need to celebrate the difference that you're a female, but you've decided to be a male, I can't do that. Because I believe the Scriptures teach something else. I believe that the Scriptures teach us that while you were in your mother's womb, God crafted you, and he didn't make a mistake in doing that. I believe that God made the genders different. Not one better than the other, but different. See, I I think that we need to be careful to use God's word as our absolute authority, not our opinions. We're kind of used to using our opinions, our thoughts, our ideas as the absolute. Satan would love for us to do that. But my opinions do not make anything absolute. God's word is the only absolute truth in the universe. When God says something, he says it without perspective or without opinion. He says the absolute truth. And either I respond to his truth, no matter what country, no matter what my race, no matter what my ethnicity, no matter what else, either I respond to him or I'm wrong. 
we all have the same opportunity. You say, well, you've had an opportunity. You grew up where you had the Bible. And, you know, it's only mankind who has failed, not God. Obviously, in the time of Adam, everybody knew who God was. In the time of Noah, everybody knew who God was. Somehow, we have failed to pass on this information from generation to generation. I have a tremendous responsibility to continue to pass on the truth of God's Word to the next generation, and so do you. It doesn't matter, again, what country you're from, because God is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and Dave. And you can put your name in there, too, if you want, because God loves the people that he created. Well, I hope this has caused some thought and that you don't get overly embroiled in all the arguments that are going on in the world around us on race and gender and disagreements. But we focus on what we can agree on. There is a God. He created you. He loves you. He wants you in his family. And as you're in his family, you become my brother, my sister in Christ. Well, I'm Dave Wager coming to you again from the studios at Silver Birch Ranch on the campus of the Nicolay Bible Institute. Good night for now.